Welcome back to the United Podcast, the podcast of the official Man United Supporters Club here in Sydney. And Manchester United have returned to club football in only the way they can, Larry, by disappointing millions of fans around the world. Well, we went into this game. We said, well, look, we're quite confident. Yeah, we can see us bouncing back. But ultimately, deep down, we knew this type of result and type of performance was very much on the cards. And sadly, it um, did prove true. Yeah, look, Tom, all I can say is take me back to international football break or whatever the, on earth it was for the last two and a half weeks because I I think I just got caught up between the excitement of the tour being announced and no Manchester United for two weeks. You almost get into a sense of false optimism, uh, but, boy, reality hit hard this morning. No, definitely as well, and it was an absolute nightmare. I don't think you had the issue, but um, dealing with the kickoff times, obviously daylight savings here in Australia, and the clocks did change. So the TV guide and the website and everything had everything here listed in Sydney as a 2.30 a.m. kickoff with the clocks changing at 3 a.m. So what did I do? Set the alarm for 2.20 to get up to watch the 2.30 kickoff. But I turned the TV on, and they're at halftime in the Chelsea and Brentford match. So they'd listed the kickoff times wrong. In my opinion, that was wrong the way they listed it. So we all, all had to stay up for another hour. It was good to watch Chelsea get absolutely battered at home to Brentford. Uh, nothing story. No one's actually talking about it. Could you imagine if United lost 4-1 at home to Brentford? But look, we're not here to gloat about Chelsea's loss. We have our own issues. But there are some guys in the live chat who will say good day too before we sort of try and dissect everything that's happening. Josh, good to see you, mate. As always, George, evening reality strikes again. United drop cheap points and the Bulldogs get smashed. Yes, Larry, another Bulldogs fan. Um, could you tell me a little bit about their result just finished? Oh, the, the less I say, the better. It, it was more depressing than the United game. They got absolutely flogged. What is, I saw you said it was 44-0. What's that equivalent to in football? Is that like 5-0, 6-0? Uh, what would I call it in football terms? I'd, I'd call it a 6-0. It's pretty <laughs> so, so it got smashed. Yeah. Ashby, always good to see you, mate. Ashby, let us know if you're going down to Melbourne for the Man United game, but always good to see you. Rob, as always, he made just, I don't know if that's laughing or crying or a bit of both. Um, <laughs> Michael, always good to see you. I um, haven't seen you live chat for a while, so I hope you are keeping well. Vinish as well, good evening, mate. And Ryan from the Sports Club here. So bad that first half. Yeah, well, we'll get into it in a little bit in terms of the differences between the first and second half, lucky to get a point in that game. Season done and dusted already. And, um, yeah, daylight saving was the most exciting part. Yeah, that half an hour before kickoff, we didn't know what was happening. If we are going to have to watch a team lineup be announced two or three times, who knows? But on that team lineup, Larry, we'll get into it. And, look, Ronaldo was supposedly ill. Okay, people get sick, no issue with that. It's a, almost a nothing story that happens. I think Ralph Frank said Lingard was vomiting during the game and he was on the bench. It's a weird situation there. So, look, players get sick. Ronaldo wasn't there. But that throws the huge issue up for me. No striker. Uh, we went a couple of weeks ago, Ronaldo didn't play, and we played Paul Pogba and Bruno Fernandes up front at the Etihad. That didn't work. Pretty much a similar type of approach, this one, whether Bruno was in a false nine or they were both up front. It was weird. It was a weird situation, especially when you see their heat maps. The talking point for me is Marcus Rashford. Now, I don't think Marcus Rashford should have started in, in regards to left or right or deserved to start. Just the situation, he's the only... Now, is he a striker? Is he not a striker? He can play striker. For him to have a whole week off or two weeks off, whatever, be fit on the training ground, drop from the England squad, and to be not included in the starting eleven at the expense of two midfielders, that was telling on so many levels for me. Where do you want to discuss? Because Gary Neville made some very good points I want to bring up, but just your thoughts on that starting eleven. I didn't like it, Tom. It wasn't good. I mean, you, you got Fred and McTominay in there, and look, it is what it is. I think you and I both had Matic in, so... Make of that what you will. Harry Maguire starts again. 
I mean, again, I know you think he had a good game. I'm I'm a bit split on that. Uh, I'm with you. If you're Marcus Rashford, give me a penny for his thoughts because I can't imagine he's feeling very good at the moment. Uh, given that Mason Greenwood's not available, Martial's left, Cavani's doing what Cavani does and Ronaldo's ill, you would think he just has to start by default. I would agree with Rashford doesn't start if everyone's available because his form hasn't warranted that and rightfully so. But when there's no one else available and you're opting to play midfielders in a position that he can comfortably fulfill, I can't imagine he's filled with absolute... Uh, I can't imagine he's filled with absolute excitement or may have a bit of resentment towards Ralph, I dare say, at the moment. Well, that's, that's the next point I was going to bring up. Gary Neville, I don't have the quotes in front of me, but I was watching his, I think it was the interview with Martin Tyler. He does the Gary Neville podcast post-match. Seems he's always a disappointing and a depressing listen, um, unfortunately, when you always listen to Gary Neville at the moment, through no fault of his own, but obviously the narrative around Man United, he makes a great point about Rashford, saying pretty much along the same things. Okay, he doesn't deserve to be playing at the moment. He's not in, not displaying the greatest form, unfortunately, not displaying the greatest of attitude as well. However, he says that from a Man, Man United approach and what Man United is sort of built on, when a player is in a situation like Marcus Rashford's in, you sort of you try and build him up. Okay, he's got something about him. He he can be good for Manchester United. And the situation he found himself in, he needs help. And this is not going to help Marcus Rashford because he didn't go away with England. He had two weeks on the training ground. He was fully fit. And there's two midfielders playing it in the striking position over him. And you just think that doesn't help Marcus Rashford, whether he deserves to be starting or not deserve to be starting. It's just a that's a real kick in the teeth. So what's more telling there? Is it more telling sort of Ralph Rangnick's views on Marcus Rashford and sort of Marcus Rashford's future under a Ralph Rangnick sort of football approach, or is it more telling just simply on the individual and Marcus Rashford and how sort of poor he has been? It's a difficult one. I, I like I said, I, I normally would side with he deserves to be on the bench given that his form this season has been really poor, and I, and I think that's putting it nicely. But in saying that, Tom, there's no other options. Like Paul Pogba, he's leaving. He actually said during the week that there's nothing else to play for. If I'm using Paul Pogba's words, the Frenchman said the season is dead. So what's his motivation for performing for the rest of this season? Marcus Rashford still has a contract. Marcus Rashford's a Manchester United fan. At the end of the day, whatever's going on, whether he's considering his future or not, he's a United fan. He, he I would expect after a two-week break where he's being at training where Ralph Ratnick has probably had a close eye over him, you'd have to think he starts. Now, unless he's absolutely stunk out the joint in training, and obviously you and I will not know the answer to that, then that's the only time you could perhaps excuse it. But given with the limited information we do have, you have to say it looks like an awful decision in hindsight. Well, just this question on from Ryan in regards to Rashford here, um, does Rashford need to leave? Is there any alternative for him? Love him. Um, but I can't see him getting back to any sort of form soon. New manager coming in and we'll have to be ruthless. Do you think, just in regards to the Rashford situation, could you see this incident? It might be nothing thing. Marcus Rashford might wake up tomorrow and it's a non-incident or it might be something almost the start of thing or a, a turning point. Could you see a situation like this being like that? Or is this, if Rashford is to make a decision on his career, it would be more something that was brewing over a couple of months, maybe maybe even a year, not a specific incident like this. Like it's not a, this isn't at home to Liverpool or something. It's a... This game will be forgotten about next week. I think it will come down to who the next manager is. Ultimately, Ralph Rennick, whatever decision he's making, he's not going to be the manager in two months' time. So that's the reality. So I think with if you're Marcus Rashford or any other player for that matter, you just have to sort of be patient and put in your best efforts between now and the end of the season. 
I, I do think though, and you and I have discussed this, I don't, I don't think we've discussed it on a YouTube video, uh, but you and I have said, if Eric Ten Hag comes in, we could very much see a scenario where he actually doesn't like Marcus Rashford. I don't think he'll like his discipline with the ball, even in, even in form or even when he's producing in terms of goals and assists. There, was, there still has been little to, I suppose, be little left desired in terms of his actual performances on the pitch. Very much in, in the Bruno mold in the sense where he can be producing but not actually producing, if you if you know what I mean. Well, there's always, even when both of them banging in goals, whether one's out of form and one's banging in goals or vice versa, there's always been a debate with Martial and Rashford. Always split down the middle in regards to, even when Rashford was top scorer. He was saying, well, hang on, Martial's the better player, but Rashford's got a better future. It was very interesting. Um, Rob here said most of the team were crap, but seriously, McTominay needs some extra time on the bench. I thought that was McTominay's worst game in a while. And he was close to almost being the most dangerous player at times, but ultimately a little bit of quality let him down when he does drive forward. But what do you stand on the McTominay situation at the moment? Because I looked at it and look, I thought he was poor. I thought he was right to be hooked. I had no issue with the tackle. I thought it was soft by James Madison. I thought if James Madison went in for the tackle, it would have just looked like a strong 50-50. James Madison hung a leg there. He deserved to get hit. So it was a good hard challenge, in my opinion, by Scott McTominay. So I no issue there, but his performance wasn't good enough. However, I stand back uh, and always look to the point where if we play Fred at right back, I'm not going to blame Fred for a bad performance. If we play Harry Maguire on the left wing, I'm not going to blame Harry Maguire for a bad performance. Don't play Scott McTominay number six. It's not his position. Now, I know number six is much closer to weight, but it's a specialist position, which we've discussed on this um, podcast before. And I just think we're getting him to do a job where he's clearly not comfortable at. Now, just my opinion, ultimately, he has to take responsibility for performance. He, I don't think he was good enough. Well, he definitely wasn't and rightly hooked. But it highlights a bigger issue than me than just Scott McTominay. I take your point. I, I came on here. Who was it against? It was, it was against some team in, in the bottom. I, I, I can't recall who. He had an absolute stormer from the six. Uh, I, I can't recall who it was again. It might have been a Brent, against Brentford. Um, nonetheless, it, I remember saying in that video where he was clearly man of the match, Scott McTominay's best performances come against sides who reality is that they're fighting relegation or they're going to get relegated. And with all due respect, I'm not saying that that's his level, but that's that's where he dominates. That's where he's shown his best performances this season and last. So don't judge Scott McTominay for being something he's not that we already know he's not. If you're going to look at Scott McTominay and hope he turns in a Roy Keane or Michael Carrick, well, that's just not going to happen. You're, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. My issue actually comes with his selection. Like I said a moment ago, you and I had selected Nemanja Matic in the six. You already saw when he came on how much better we look with the ball. Why isn't the Serbian being played? That, that's more my question. Well, on Nemanja Matic there, is it just a case of we're all sitting here, okay, if he's fit, we're saying play him. He's got, to go, he's got to leave. Because if, if you're not capable of playing two games a week, you're not helping the squad. Okay, we always make this argument about a player. Okay, if they can come in when a player's injured, if they can come in for the one game every six weeks, like a Park J. Summer or a Nicky Butt, fantastic. Okay, do that. But ultimately, the game has changed and we need players who are all, sort of always available and always ready to go. And the man you manage, I think when he comes on, he performs very well. So it's not a criticism of him in regards to his performances. But if the club and himself uh making the decision that he can't play two games a week, or even this case, one game a week, he shouldn't be at the club. He needs to leave. Someone else can take that role. James Garner can take that role next season. 
I'm not sure, Tom. I mean, look, it, it's really hard to comment on it because we're not there. Like, I mean, is he not training well? Does he is he the one saying I'm fatigued? I mean, we just came off a two and a half week break where he hasn't played a competitive game of football. So I don't know why this game specifically. Why couldn't he play? Yeah. So that that's the biggest question I have. But look, on Scott McTominay, like I said, I think United are in a good position if he's a squad player. I don't think he's. We're not going to win the league with Scott McTominay and Fred as our starting midfielders. I think we can all acknowledge that. It depends. Look, yes, but then I'd point to the last time we won a league title and, okay, but maybe better footballers, but we had Tom Cleverley and Anderson as our starting two in midfield. Like, I think if the tools are around there, midfield, you look at mid, the midfielders for Liverpool, Jordan Henderson, okay, he's a bit better footballer maybe. In my opinion, I don't rate him too highly, but obviously he had something very sort of special for Liverpool in the way he goes about his business but he's got all the tools around him performing at a world-class level. And I think sometimes that midfield position, we demand excellence in regards to a Zinedine Zidane or a Perlo or Paul Scholes. Sometimes it's just about doing your job and keeping very keeping things very simple. We look at our greatest midfielder ever, or my favourite player, sort of Roy Keane. He wasn't flash. Okay, he just did the simple things, right? And that's what Scott McTominay needs to get into. But I think that he needs to do that further up the pitch. I don't think six suits him. He's not comfortable. And when a player's not comfortable, they're not going to be confident and they're not going to perform. But just in regards to that mindset, Ian here, good mate of ours over in Perth, who will be joining us over in Melbourne um, in a couple of months. Football in the Premier League is not just built on ability. It's mental. We don't seem to be building the right mindset. We keep signing the, the same tunes. Uh, we keep singing the same tunes. So frustrating to see Rashford in the lack of form. Do you think mentality will sort of prove a part in anyone's future? So let's say Eric Ten Hag comes in. Okay, Is Ten Hag going to be saying, okay, I don't like this guy's attitude, he's gone, or he's got, well, I don't like his attitude, but he, he can, I can get a tune football-wise out of him. Uh, how do you see this next sort of, not contract period coming up, but the next, um, yeah, you know what I, I mean? Think, I think this next managerial appointment is really important. I mean, every managerial appointment is important, but I think that United are entering a really crucial period. Um, but the, the reality is, Tom, that... United need to get this right from the top down. And and Gary Neville summed it up really well in, in his podcast. He said United need a cultural reboot. And I know that that was, the, th- that was the message coming out of the club when Solskjaer was appointed. But we all knew it was pretty words wrapped in paper. United genuinely, and, and this starts from the Glazers, and uh, I know it's boring to keep talking about, but, but, I, but it is. It comes down to them. Are they going to allow a manager, are they going to allow Richard Arnold, who as a CEO is then going to be allowed to get a football man to who's then going to work closely with a manager to make the decision to say, you know what, if we're going to let go of 15 players this season, all right, we're going to let go of 15 players. You don't want to be here. We, you and I have come on here before and said players who are not good enough or players who don't want to be here, leave. Okay, I agree with that. But the club needs to let these players go. And we need to be in a position where we're happy to cut our losses financially and otherwise. We'll so, never be in a position where the Glazers, the, the Glazers will never be in a position where they're happy to cut their losses. And that's the problem. That's the problem. You and I have sat here debating multiple players constantly year after year after year. And maybe the Martial Rashford debate shouldn't even be a debate because one or both of those players maybe shouldn't be at the club already. It's what, well, it's just in terms of that bottom line, it's what they'll reward instead of, okay, can we go and replace a Harry Maguire? Let's say the football decision is to sell Harry Maguire. Well, okay, you're going to have to sell him. You're not going to get what you want for him. You're not going to get 60, 70 million for him. A club probably only want to pay 20 or 30 million. To go and replace Harry Maguire in terms of being a number one centre-back, you're going to have to go and spend another 80 million pound plus 300 grand a week on wages. 
it's far cheaper to give Harry Maguire a 10% wage increase. And suddenly that's against the manager's decision. And ultimately that is not going to help anyone. But um, just before we move on to 3-2-1s, Josh here saying it was crying for one matter in that game. It was actually, Josh, to be fair, I was thinking that halfway through that second half and I was thinking actually probably wouldn't be one matter. I'd probably maybe looking for a Jesse Lingard or if he had a Donny van der Beek on the bench, obviously not. But um, yeah, it was one game where I probably wasn't crying out for one matter. But on that, Larry, in regards to, look, it is a, we didn't lose. Does definitely feel like it. The three, two, ones. Can we give through? I think we can give through two ones. This or first of all, is there anything else in the game you do want to discuss? Because obviously there were goals. Fred scored. David de Gea did okay. There was the AR incident at the end. You and I discussed this um, earlier today, just over chat, and you you made the point around Harry Maguire. You thought he was quite good. I, I think I thought I thought he was better than Varane. I don't think he was quite. Good. I thought he's better than Varane. Well, look, he, maybe he was. Wife. The issue with me, well, or the issue for me with Harry Maguire is he sits so deep, Tom. He he breaks up. The, if you actually look at a high shot um, of, of United's back force positioning, he's so deep and he's deeper than everyone else. So it, it really hurts that back four tactically if they're trying to, say, play an offside or they want to press one way. Or... That, that's across all the pitch. You look at the, the extreme opposite and Bruno Fernandes is too high. Like it, it's almost the, the same thing that these players, like that, that's a structural thing for the team. These individuals, Scott McTominay doesn't go and show for the ball because he's not comfortable. Harry Maguire doesn't step high because he's not comfortable. Bruno Fernandes doesn't want to sit because he's got too much energy. So he goes and sort of presses in no man's land. Like these are issues for the manager. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I agree with you. But I just think when it comes to the back four, you're the last line of defense before the goalkeeper, right? So when Harry Maguire is doing something that impacts how our defense lines up, then it's just unfortunately hangs out more. Now, of course, Bruno's been guilty of it. I remember the first goal against Liverpool. That started because Bruno pressed out like a headless chicken. But the the amount of errors that then happened in that goal by the defense also contributed. And I just think with Harry Maguire... Today, he put in a tackle and he made a couple of interceptions that were good and they were good. I'm not going to sit here and tell you they weren't. But ultimately and fundamentally, United, I can't, I'm bored of saying it. United wants to play a high line. And this comes down to the manager as well. So Ralph Randnick has to take some of this blame. He's talking about he wants to play a high press. He wants to play on the ball. He wants to play up the halfway line. Well, if you want to do all those things, why do you keep picking Harry Maguire, mate? Yeah, no, look, we've had that discussion plenty of times, whether it be Maguire or Rashford or Paul Pogba, these are issues which um, aren't going away. They're not going to go anyway, anywhere anytime soon. Just before we move on to 3 2 one Mikey, I'd give three points to VAR, saving us from losing. I thought it was a foul. I, th- I didn't even think it should have gone to VAR. I thought the referee should have picked it up in normal time. It was a foul. It yeah, definitely was. I, I was more worried. I thought Varane did his ACL. The way I thought it was like a bit of a slip. I thought he maybe tweaked his knee. But um, just some 3 2 one team. If that goal stood, it was shame oh. defending. Awful <laughs> by everyone. But do let us know your 3 2 ones in the comments. There are a few here. George, three for Fred, two for De Gea, one for Alanga. George, get out of here. Anthony Alanga for one point is a shout. Not for me. Not for me. Um, he we'll he get got it. in Rashford's way. That, that, took, that takes talent, mate, to get in your own player's way. The one Rashford might have just had the best run he's made in three months. I, I think Rashford was going to score. From having a shot. I backed Rashford to score there. When he found that bit of space, I thought, he's, he's got to score this. He'll score. Could you imagine if that, just in terms of the way this season has been out, could you imagine if that was Harry Maguire's um, slide tackling Marcus Rashford? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that, would have, <laughs> that would have been a successful when season. That, that would have been brilliant. Yeah. But, um, yeah, on that 3-2-1s, look, 
there's two names there. Outfield player, Fred. I thought he's very poor at times, but ultimately got a goal. And out of the outfield players, yeah, probably our best player. But ultimately, okay, a huge goal in regards to saving a point. But the other end of the pitch, David De Gea, that's safe. That, that's match winning or match saving. Yeah. No, I agree with you. On Fred, um, what do you make of his performances lately? He's been played in the eight. He's seemed to have the license he's to been, He's been improved. He, well, he overall, since Ralph, Rang- since Ralph Rangnick has come in, I think um, he's done very well. Would he be the best player under Ralph Rangnick? Probably. I'm not sure. No, but he'd be up there. Um, I think Diego Delo has taken his chance under Ralph Rangnick, but Fred ultimately, I think, has kicked on a little bit and mainly just maybe down to that position change. So what I would yeah, actually absolutely. prefer, what I would prefer is. is Scott McTominay afforded that opportunity to go and play in that position. Now, Fred, Fred deserves that spot at the moment because he's performing. So I'm not going to say drop Fred for McTominay there. But I think if we play Fred by himself in that McTominay role, I think we're going to lose a lot of possession in there. So, but I yeah, yeah, fair, fair play to Fred though. He has done well, and as I said today, it was one of the better players. But if you're choosing, I mean, I take your point on in the six. I don't think either of them are good in the six. But if you're talking about selecting an eight, and particularly next season, United will get a six, and you're picking one of the eights, you have to assume McTominay and Fred will probably fight out for a position. Yeah. You'd have to say Fred's probably got his head ahead of McTominay now. At the moment, I wouldn't argue. I think long-term and consistently. And look, maybe I'm naive and do let me know in the chat if I'm wrong, but I do prefer Scott McTominay over Fred. I think it's a lot of recency bias with Fred. And look, he has been good recently, but I think we do need to calm down. I think he has sort of burnt us many times, and that's not to say Scott McTominay is um, the answer to Roy Keane and Paul Scholes in the middle, but um, I think he does need to be given that opportunity to play in his preferred position. At the moment, he's doing a job for the team that he's not comfortable with. And look, but fair play to Fred. Would you be going Fred for three points or David De Gea? Because that save from David De Gea, what a save. Like Every week we're saying what a save, but you have to do it again. I oh, Look, I, I think you'd be harsh to not give Fred the three points. I thought, look, ultimately, yeah, De Gea made the save. He keeps I moving away from Messi. Holes. He keeps moving away from Messi in the goal-scoring charts. Yeah, he is moving clear of Messi. Uh, but no, I thought Fred was really good. And ultimately, like, yes, it's a match-saving save, but you have to look – if you're looking at the whole game, I really like what Fred did today. I, yes, I take your point, and he wasn't perfect, um, but he ultimately gets the goal. And without the goal, it's a loss. So um, I'm, I'm yeah. giving the three to Fred for me. No, definitely. Okay, we'll go three for Fred. In my opinion, it has to be David De Gea for two. One point. Again, don't shoot me in the chat. Don't shoot me, Larry. I'll have to say Harry Maguire, especially given the week that he's had. And that's not to say he was great or anything. I'm just saying, can you name a better outfield player? And given the situation that he'd find himself in, but please find another player on the field who you'd give over Maguire and let me know in the chat because I don't think Maguire's name will pop up in the chat. So please do let me know. Oh, gosh. Because I thought Shaw and Tellez didn't do enough. I thought Diego Delo. Shaw was awful. I was happy he went off injured. I, I thought Delo, um, you mentioned Harvey Barnes in the pre-match. I thought Harvey, he had a good game to be fair to him. I think he does that yeah. to a lot of fullbacks. Um, so Diego Delo end up dealing with him okay. We'll discuss the midfield, Pogba and Bruno. I don't think we're at it. Obviously, Paul Pogba up front, it didn't happen. Jaden Sancho, yeah, I thought, Sancho was one of his worst games recently. So, tell me, it would almost be a toss-up between Varane and Maguire. Oh, I mean, George makes the point here. Maguire's role in the goal was, was shambolic, and it was. What if Maguire I, I, was I'd where Varane is? What if Maguire was where Varane is? What if Maguire is where Varane is, and are we having a discussion about Maguire not winning that header? 
I, I take your point on this Varane thing and, and, I, and I get it. And you're not the first person who's been saying this. I'm just going to come out and say it. Maguire is making him worse. Like this guy was elite, man. Like he maybe just a touch. In an elite team, guy. in an elite team, he's not just playing next to the centre back. He's playing behind midfielders. He's playing to to the right of a defender. I, I hear you, mate. I hear you. But ultimately, Varane is the good one. I think Maguire makes him look ten times worse. I really do. In, I think in, in this in, in this form, Maguire's helping no one. Of course, I'm not disagreeing with you there on that. One hundred percent, Maguire's made the whole team look poor this season. Like Rashford's made attackers look bad. It's a I'm not, definitely not a, a disagreeing with you there, but I just think ultimately we're saying, okay. I'll, I'll give a point to Matic because he looked good when he came on. I'm not giving a point to Maguire. I can't do it. I'm sorry. Nemanja Matic, I thought, look, ultimately did nothing, but yeah, didn't do anything wrong. He, he came on and well, you can see, you can see a player there. So how about we give one point to Matic for not doing anything wrong? Okay, we'll give one point to Matic, um, De Gea <laughs> for two and three for Fred. So fair play to Fred. Good on him. One thing I think this team needs, I don't know where this comes from, but, you know, when... Um, I can think of yeah, 10 They things. need many things. But what I'll do, if I'm the manager, you know when you used to play as a kid and it wasn't so much when you were in bad form, but halfway through the season or three-quarters way through the season, the coach should take you to, like, 10-pin bowling or the movies or when you're a bit older, you go paintballing. I think that's what this team needs, just something to get away from football. Now, they had an international break to do that. Now, they didn't. They stayed back home, but... They need just something. I don't know. They don't look because look under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Now, this is not me saying we shouldn't have sacked Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, but where would we be this season now if Solskjaer stayed in charge? Because we always talk about this team. Okay, they're not likable. We, we don't like this bunch of players. Months ago, when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, even when results weren't there, we said, oh, no, the, the players are okay. They're given their all. They're a likable bunch of players. That's changed. And I'm just thinking, where would we be under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? And that's, again, not to say Solskjaer shouldn't have been sacked, but. The season's yeah, getting worse, where it should have been getting better. We sacked the manager to improve, and it hasn't got better. And that's not that's I, not a dig at Ralph Rangnick. No, I hear you. I, I think with Ralph, he came in because obviously it was that bad, right? And ultimately, i got to say, though, man, credit to Solskjaer. He got this team the second. He got this yeah. team the second time. We're in a title race until Christmas. We're top of the table for a bit. Man, Solskjaer did a hell of a job getting Champions League two years running with this team. Tell you. (laughs) Georgie, I haven't seen this one. Georgie, these guys went paint boiling. Rashford wasted his whole life missing the target. (laughs) Who would you most want on your paintballing team for Man United if you had to go paintballing? Who who do you think would be the worst? Who do you think would be the best? I think Phil Jones had... Phil Jones has to be in the discussion for one of them, I think. It would just be enjoyable to have a day out at the paintball range. You know you know what, Tom? If uh, if Ralph Rennick wants to... Can we make this a little bit of a positive? What? Surely now it's an opportunity to play some kids. If Ronaldo's still sick, Charlie McNeil is absolutely... He's scoring goals for fun. Why isn't he yeah. getting an opportunity? Well, no, that, that comes to that rational discussion at the start. And ultimately... Where do you say I've seen? Uh, I think Rob made the point earlier in regards to playing the kids. Now, you just can't okay, get rid of everyone and play 11 kids. It's not going to happen. You're going to lose your next game 15 nil to who we play next for Everton. Everton would smash it if you just play a reserves team. You can't do that. But you can play two or three, but you can have one on the bench. And I just think that is so important now because the season is gone. The season definitely is gone, in my opinion, in regards to top four. And just on that, in regards to top four, Eric Ten Hag, let's say Ten Hag's the manager. Okay, it's pointing that direction. He's going to come in. 
Europa League football is he coming in? Conference League is he coming in? Because yeah. I don't know. Someone tell me what conf- what qualifies for the Conference League. I'm telling you, we mustn't be far from that because other teams like West Ham and Wolves and Tottenham they're all winning games. So, could you see a situation where Ten Hag does want to come to United? United want to sign Ten Hag, but ultimately the situation we're in next season puts a bit of a hurdle in that deal. Or do you think he's no, just coming I think regardless? He signs, Tom. I think he signs. I mean, ultimately, even if we were in the Champions League or not in the Champions League, this squad needs a massive rebuild. And that wasn't going to change no matter where we finish. So ultimately, I think he's going to take the job, or whether it's Pochettino or Ten Hag or whoever it is, whoever comes in, they're taking it based on knowing they need a rebuild and it's going to take three years. It's going to take a minimum of three years. Uh, so I think he's aware of that. And ultimately, with, with all due respect, irrespective of where United... United can finish 17th. United's a bigger club than Ajax, please. But what's going to happen? We and I don't even say three years later. I say five years. I completely agree with what you're saying. He needs time to get this right and make mistakes. Not even make mistakes. Just go through the lows that will naturally come with a rebuild and that transitional phase. The club won't see it like that, and the fan base unfortunately won't see it like that. Next December, if we're sitting, forget fourth or fifth, if we're sitting in eighth or ninth, he'll get the sack. Wrongly so, but that'll be the case. Well, this is, comes back to the point I made around ten minutes ago. It has to start from the top. The Glazers need to give Richard Arnold and Richard Arnold in turn, they need to give someone the power. I hope it's Ralph Rennick or Paul Mitchell or someone of that ilk. Someone needs to be making football footballing decisions and that person needs to be held responsible for what happens on and off the pitch over the next three to five years. Because until that happens, like you said, we'll finish ninth, we'll finish 10th and manager will get sacked and another manager will get sacked and, before you know it, I'm telling you, there is the potential for United to really start slipping down the ladder, mate. I mean, Newcastle, they're going to invest. Do you think it will almost be a good thing if Arsenal make the Champions League and we can almost see what they've done in terms of their patience with Arteta? Yeah, of course. Not, not, not that the club would view that and watch and listen and learn, but ultimately, in an ideal scenario, they would. Probably. I mean, look. I like what I have to say. Credit to Arteta. I mean, you and I have come on here. We've laughed at Arsenal multiple times. We've said we can't believe he's not sacked. If we remember the start of the season, they were in relegation battle. Mm. Look at them. They're flying. And and it just shows, like, obviously this guy's been given time. He's been given time. We laughed at the summer they had, but they've invested and he's been able to put his plan into these players. He they gave him the ability to throw someone out who was the captain. He left the that's, club. That's the thing. Forget the investment. Forget the time. They allowed him to get rid of a player he didn't want. He didn't, exactly. he didn't want. That is the huge thing for me. That's uh, Jose Mourinho not being able to ship out Anthony Martial or Paul Pogba or Ralph Rangie not being able to get rid of Marcus Rashford or Harry Maguire. That is the huge thing for me. The next manager comes in, and if it's Bruno Fernandes who signed a five-year deal and says, no, I, don't like, I think Bruno's the worst player, Bruno needs to be shown the door. Again, that's not going to happen. I don't agree with that. But that type of thinking, that simply needs to happen. And that's the drastic sort of measures we do need to take. That's it. Ultimately, we've seen Arsenal decide they want to follow a football project. Uh, They appointed someone as a director of football a couple of years ago, if I'm right in saying that. Um, Edu, their former former player. Yeah, yeah. And, And since he's come in, it hasn't been perfect. But you have to say they look like... Now, let me but let me point this out to you. I mean, Arsenal have improved this season, but United have fallen off a cliff. Are you not have Arsenal improved or are they just the beneficiaries of people failing around them? 
No, no, definitely. Well, we do have Arsenal in a few weeks, and it is 9.30 on a Saturday night. Um, so we do have a good kickoff to look forward to Arsenal. Um, and this week as well, Saturday night, 9.30 against Everton. Unfortunately, obviously, um, we unfortunately probably know what's coming away at Everton. I don't fancy that. Um, they need a big win there in that relegation battle. But it, it will be good to get out the pub 9.30 um, on a Saturday night with the Supporters Club. And speaking of the Supporters Club, I, I do have to wrap up things because we have a committee meeting um, to discuss some issues with tickets for members or some ideas for tickets for members. Obviously, if you are in Australia, um, tickets become on sale tomorrow 2 p.m. on Ticketek. Um, if you are travelling down to Melbourne, a lot of the Supporters Club members do have their tickets sorted, which is great. Um, spoke to Adam McCola and a few guys off Stratford Paddock. They're also coming out tomorrow and sitting in the same... Oh, tomorrow. They're also coming out um, for the match in Melbourne and they'll be sitting in the same area as us. So um, always good to have those lads out here for a couple of beers. And... Um, I'm sure we'll be chatting during the week of something Ten Hag related, I assume, Larry. You know what? If you're Manchester United, that would lift. I think they need to do something to lift the fan base at the moment. What a perfect distraction. Announce a manager. I can't see them doing it, but you can almost see them doing it on the other, on the other hand as well in terms of that positive PR. I can't see it from a – he's still contract to Ajax, still having competitive games. Um, it'll be interesting to see where their what their situation is in the league when they go from Fabrizio Romano something. Yeah, yeah, no, potentially. But as I said, we will sort of address those, I'm sure, during the week, and um, we'll have our preview later in the week. But um, hopefully, everyone did enjoy that video and a little bit of therapy on to finish your weekend. We do appreciate all the support in the comments. Um, if you are new, please hit that subscribe button. If you could hit like on your way out, that would be very much. Appreciate it. And I'm sure Larry and I will be with you for a few videos throughout the week. Until then, Larry, anything else Absolutely. to add? Yeah. Cheers, mate. I'm off to watch WrestleMania. It's been a depressing day. I'm, I'm absolutely wrecked, by the way. I played an hour and a half of indoor and I can't feel anything. So I'm going to go lie down on that couch over there and I'm going to I'm gonna uh, enjoy some wrestling. So You'll, you'll probably fall asleep, <laughs> to be fair. And you, I probably wake will. Up <laughs> But until then, as I said, appreciate all the support. Hope everyone has a good one, and we'll chat to you during the week. Cheers. All right, cheers.